Are you ready to make a real difference in the world and especially to the people around you? Welcome to the Higher Purpose Podcast, where we celebrate the road less traveled in business, leadership, and life. We welcome you to another conversation that we believe will provide you with the insight and inspiration you need on your journey. Here's your host, Kevin Monroe. It's Kevin, and I want to welcome you to Episode 139 of the Higher Purpose Podcast. Let me start by asking, how are you today? I really want to know, and I truly hope you are well. I'm incredibly grateful that you are joining me today. We are living in truly unprecedented times, and most, if not all of us, are navigating uncharted territory. I'm truly grateful that in the midst of whatever you are going through that you've chosen to tune into this podcast conversation today. Maybe you're joining us for the first time today because you know my guest. If so, welcome. What a joy to have you join us. If this is your first introduction to Chester Elton, well, I'm elated to have that privilege of introducing you. Chester is a truly remarkable human being. Many of you may know him from one of the dozen books he has written, including the New York Times bestseller, The Carrot Principle. I've known of Chester for a long time now. However, it was my friend Moshe Engelberg, who was with us on episode 136, that opened the door for Chester and me to become friends, and that's what's happened in recent weeks. Chester and his co-author, Adrian Gostick, have a brand new book out, Leading with gratitude. And it's that book that originally brought us together for this conversation. But because of what's going on in our world, that's not where we started our conversation. We started with something much more real and closer to home to all of us. So join in. What a joy it is to welcome Chester Elton to the Higher Purpose Podcast. Chester, we're glad you're here. I'm delighted to be here. Thanks for the invitation, Kevin. And to let you listening know, we are recording this on Monday, March 16th, with a planned release of next Tuesday, March 24th. Now, we plan to connect today before there was a global pandemic known as coronavirus or COVID-19. And Chester and I, well, I don't know. I didn't ask Chester this. Do you have the knowledge of the gift of foresight? I don't. (laughs) No, in fact, I'd like to know what's going on this afternoon. It's getting so crazy. Yeah, so we don't know what new realities we may be dealing with between now and then. But as Chester was joining me, and we are here to talk about Chester's new book that he co-authored with Adrian Gustick, Leading with Gratitude. We want to start somewhere different than we had planned, realizing we've entered new territory, Chester, and what I've called unprecedented times. Chester, I believe that like me, you believe gratitude makes a huge difference, period, in times of calm, crisis, or chaos. How can gratitude make a difference now? You know, it's such a great statement because it does. So often we get caught up in the moment, we get caught up in the crisis, and we forget to take a little bit longer view. And I think when you do that, and you realize that even with this virus, even with this chaos, there are so many amazing things in your life that you can be grateful for, that when you put that in perspective, it gives you the strength and the momentum to overcome hard times, 
it gives you the strength to enjoy the good times. And it always gives you the opportunity to deepen the relationships that you have with people. I think gratitude is that powerful as application, no matter where you are in your stage of life. Would you agree? Oh, I totally agree. And I love the way you said that gratitude always deepens relationships. Was that the word you used? Deepens yes. And what's interesting, my wife and I have a best practice that I'd love to share with your Please. listeners. At the end of every day, we say, uh, so what are your three? Mm. What are three things you're grateful for? And, you know, up until a few weeks ago, I traveled quite a bit. So no matter where I was in the world, we'd find a way to connect. And we'd say, what are your three? And it was always amazing to me, Kevin, that it didn't have to be a big thing. Yeah. It was the sun was out today. I got to work in the garden. The grandkids stopped by. I connected with an old friend. I got the loveliest little text from someone I hadn't heard from in a while that just said, hey, I was thinking about you. Hope things are going well. And it meant the world to me. So ending the day like that, and of course, we didn't know this when we started it. There's been wonderful studies done that when you end your day in gratitude or start your day in gratitude, how it just lowers your blood pressure, gives you a little better mindset. Do it at night, you sleep a little deeper and you deepen your relationships because it's not all about what do we have to do? What's going wrong? How do we fix it? It's, you know what? We live amazing lives. Kevin, it's never lost to me. You and I in particular, and I can say this with great confidence, 99% of the world would trade places with you or me in a nanosecond. Mm. You know, our lives are amazing. Yeah. How can we not be grateful for that? And how can we not pass it on to others to lighten their loads? Mm. Okay, so Chester, I want to ask you to do something. Lead us, if you will, in a gratitude exercise right now, because I started thinking, seriously, you and I, I've been using Zoom for a long time, a long time. Zoom is probably one of the most popular platforms on the planet as of today, because it allows this kind of connection. I mean, I lead a small group through our church, and last night we received an email that the church has made it possible for every small group leader to have a Zoom account so they can connect with their small groups and have this kind of connection continuing because social distancing cannot, I repeat, cannot equal social isolation or we're in trouble. Exactly. Exactly. We need to find meaningful ways to connect. And if we can't be together and the hugging and, you know, I lived in Italy for a little while and the slapping and the kissing. If we can't be doing that, we've got to find ways to stay connected because you're right. The more isolated we get, the more likely we are to fall into depression, yeah. Yeah. feel alone and feel depressed. So I'm thinking of a gratitude exercise that we can go through. And I think this is something that people of faith and meditation understand really well is to just take a minute and think about someone that has meant the world to you. Mm. Someone that's meant the world to you. And I love to do this when I'm speaking at conferences. I say, I'm going to do something that speakers from this stage will never tell you to do. I want you to pull out your phones. I want you to look at your phones right now. And I want you to think of somebody that's really important to you in your life. And I want you to text them right now. Mm. And I want you to just text some simple things. Say, you know what? Just sitting here thinking about you. Want to let you know how much I love you, how mm. much you mean to me, and I hope you're just having a great day. Mm. Cheering for you, Steve, Kevin, Chester, whoever it might be. And I will tell you that that simple act of connecting with someone and expressing your love and gratitude for them, you'll be surprised at the ping back that you get. 
Okay, so we want to invite you. Pause listening. I don't think you'll hear many podcast hosts say this. Pause <laughs> listening to this podcast right now and do what Chester just suggested. Pause, find somebody, send them a text, tell them you're thinking of them, you love them, whatever that is, check in with them. And as soon as you're done, resume listening here because we got good stuff coming your way. <laughs> now, I just want to add something to that really quick because the reactions have been great. I remember after the conference, you know, we we're doing a book signing and a woman came up to me and said, you know, I did what you said. I texted my daughter at university and here's what she texted back. Mm-hmm. He says, mom, I love you too. I said, oh, isn't that sweet? She goes, you don't understand. She never says I love you. This means the world. And she got quite emotional. And then on the other side, a guy came up to me and says, hey, you know, Chester, I did what you said. I texted my wife. Now the conference was in Las Vegas. And he says, here's what she texted back to me. What have you done? Where are you? Why are you? <laughs> I said, you know what, buddy? The more you do it, the less reactions like that. You'll get into the habit. Isn't that funny? Well, and it's funny. You used the name Steve. I don't know where you drew Steve out of the air, but Steve Foran is a friend of mine. Steve has written a book on gratitude and we connected and that's what prompted me the very first time to host gratitude challenges was my friend Steve. But frequently, on Tuesday morning, Steve will be listening to the fresh edition of the podcast, and all of a sudden, my phone will ring. And he said, hey, Kevin, I was listening, and I just said, hey, Siri, call Kevin Monroe. <laughs> and there was something he heard in the podcast at that moment that resonated with him so deeply that he stopped listening and called me at that moment. And you know what? I'm always grateful. Absolutely. Always Absolutely. grateful for that to happen. You know, I'm a big fan of random acts of kindness. Just random acts of kindness. Just a little something. Maybe you hold the door for somebody. Maybe you give the guy who's begging for his next meal, you give him a buck. You know, a little text. I'm a big fan of handwritten notes. I know that's kind of old school. People don't do it much anymore. I'll tell you, when people receive them, they're always grateful. They always do it when it's an appropriate time for them to do it. They've taken a quiet moment and they read it. These simple little random acts of kindness, I think, they make the people that you've given these acts to feel great. And then, isn't it interesting, it always makes you feel better. You know, it's what your parents taught you when you are five years old, right? It's better to give than to receive because when you give, you you always receive. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So now, folks, you've been listening for a few minutes, and I'm going to ask Chester the question I usually start every podcast conversation with, but we're further into this one. Chester, what is something you're grateful for in this moment? You know, in this moment happened just yesterday. I am so grateful. We have two lovely grandchildren, Mm. four years old, about to become five and one year old. Lucas Chester Elton, which you got to (laughs) love, and Clara Iris Elton. And you know what I'm really grateful for? They only live three blocks away. Beautiful. And we see them all the time. And I'm telling you, when you're having a bad day and a one-year-old little girl toddles up to you with the biggest smile on her face asking for a hug, all of a sudden your day gets a lot better. There's no doubt about it. So in this moment, I'm grateful for my grandkids that they live so close. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I will come back. I'm grateful that in this moment at lunch today, my wife and I, Gwen, had FaceTime with our granddaughter, Emma, because we would normally keep Emma on Monday nights. We're not able to do that tonight because things have changed, right? And people are making new habits, new routines. And so at lunch today, we had that 
FaceTime and she was telling us all the things she had done because she was staying home today rather than going to school. And it did. It just brightened our hearts and put smiles <laughs> on our faces. So, folks, we know, Chester and I know, there's a lot of fear, panic, and paranoia in the world around us. But we believe that right in the middle of that, gratitude can create this cushion of calm for you, me, and we can invite others into that. And aren't you grateful for the technology that allowed you to do that? It's yeah. not just a phone call. You can see your little face. You can interact. She can see your little face. It's great. And it is. I'll tell you, there's nothing worse, whether it's in the workplace or especially in your personal life, to feel forgotten. Mm. And nothing connects people better than that little text, that little FaceTime, that little phone call that says, hey, I was thinking about you. You're important to me. I remember you. And I just want you to know I love you. That, that is. And on this theme of gratitude, you mentioned it. We talked about Zoom. We talked about FaceTime. It's fascinating that as people are being asked to quarantine or forced to hunker down, and there are government mandates in some countries around the world that may expand where you cannot leave home. But imagine how much easier this is today because of technology, that this social distancing need not become isolation. So find a way. And if you are listening to this, and if you are lonely now, if you have been lonely, Use your digital device to connect with somebody besides just Chester and me, <laughs> but do what Chester said or FaceTime a friend or text, whatever it is. Connect with somebody today, please. Don't sit there and suffer in silence because you feel quarantined or you're forced to quarantine. Chester, you want to keep talking about gratitude and let's tie it into your book? Is that a... You feel good about that at this point? Listen, I feel good about anywhere you want to go, Kevin. I will follow your lead, my friend. Well, you just said something. I saw a bridge form in my mind the moment you said that. What was it that people feel forgotten or? They feel forgotten. There's nothing worse than feeling like no one cares. I'm here all by myself, you okay. know, and those simple acts of reaching out affirm that you are valued. You are important. And I did remember you. Mm. Okay. So your book. Leading with gratitude. I think that's a perfect bridge into this because I read something in your book and I'm going to make a bridge. Well, I think what you said in the book is people are less likely to express gratitude at work than any place else, which if I just tie that to what you just said, people are less are more likely to feel forgotten at work. You have it exactly right. Than anywhere else. Yes, and it's so interesting because in our personal lives, I think we understand it's important to hear the words, I love you, right? And at work, we say, well, that's really not appropriate, and we're doing hard things here. We're doing more with less. We're checking things off. We're doing the hard stuff. We're checking off the boxes. You know, we're getting stuff done. And yet, I always say, look, I love you in your personal life translates to thank you in the workplace. Hmm. Now, we have a database of over a million engagement surveys, a million. Wow. Around the globe. Wow. And it's so interesting that when the question is asked, I've been recognized for my good work at least once in the last seven days. We're talking one time in a work week. The scores are ridiculously low. Mm. And it's a crime because those simple interactions as a boss or a supervisor, manager, whatever, or even as a coworker, when I say, hey, Kevin, I saw what you did there. That was great. Mm. 
the way you handled that situation with that customer, whether it was for a warranty or delivery, whatever it would be. They were pretty angry when they got on the phone and they left whistling a tune. That's going to be a customer forever. And yet in some places they'll say, look, I'm paying you to do that. Mm. That's your job. Well, yeah, it is your job. And when I do my job well, how much does it cost to say thank you? Isn't that interesting? You know, so often we have these myths that we talk about in our book that you just get the compensation right, it'll be fine, right? Or fear is the best motivator. This is my favorite. Put the fear of God in people and they'll work harder. And the fact is, is that in our database, 37% of people said, yeah, I will work harder if I fear for my job. 38% said, I will work harder if I have a demanding boss. And then get this, 82% said I would work harder if my boss expressed gratitude. Isn't that fascinating? So take your pick, 36, 37, 82. <laughs> and to me, it's a bit of a no-brainer. And then, of course, the biggest myth is I just don't have time. Mm. And you and I know that simple expressions of gratitude and love take a few seconds. And the best leaders that we interviewed, and these are guys like Hubert Jolie that turned around Best Buy, a billion-dollar deficit to a billion-dollar surplus, mm. or Alan Mulally that saved the Ford Motor Company. Gary Ridge, who took WD-40, I know you have a can, right? <laughs> 10 times the value of the company, simply through leading with gratitude. Alan Mulally, in the toughest of businesses, the automotive industry, his first rule of leading is, it's your people, Chester. Love them up. Mm. <laughs> you mm. gotta love that. Mm. Oh, okay. There, there are a couple of things I heard there that I want to unpack. I hope I'll remember. <laughs> a few months ago, I abandoned taking notes during these podcast conversations. It was a challenge that I interpreted from a friend. She didn't issue the challenge. Jane Adshead Grant made the observation that you can't listen and take notes at the same time. And I realized truth to that. So I just said, you know, I'm laying my pen aside. I'm just going to listen. So, Chester, two things. I hope I come back to one. If I don't, that's okay. But it'll be about Gary Ridge. So you can prod me there. But in those statistics you gave, there's another one in the book that goes with that, that I believe you said that about a third of managers resort to fear to motivate? Well, it was about a third of people responded well to fear in the workplace. Oh, okay, a third of people responded well. Right. The thing about managing with fear is it tends to be very stressful. So it doesn't tend to last very long. You can't continuously manage with fear. And one of the interesting discoveries we made was that there were a lot of managers that didn't think they were leading by fear, and yet they were. They were just being very honest and open and candid. In other words, if we don't close a couple of more deals, I don't think I can guarantee your job. You know, you say, well, I'm just being honest. Yes, and scaring the crap out of everybody at the same time, yeah. right? And so it was this mind shift that you had to go from being quick to criticize and slow to recognize, to reversing that. Yeah. Saying, look, there's a lot of good things that are happening every day. Let's not forget those. Let's mention those and build some momentum around that so we can tackle big things, mm -hmm. right? Kind of makes sense. And yet, in the heat of battle, which is what some managers like to put themselves in, every day is a battle, which I think is a terrible metaphor. <laughs> you know, we just got to get things done. And at the end of the day, we can take a deep breath and go home completely exhausted to families that really don't want to see us because we're spent. And so it's a very dangerous way to manage. You can have short-term success, and that's, I think, the drug. Is it work short-term? Let's keep doing it, mm. right? 
Okay, Gary Ridge, I saw this quote, and Gary's been a guest on podcast three different times with me. I love the guy, and I know you have a deep, special relationship with Gary. You quoted Gary as saying, gratitude creates feelings of belonging. Yes. Well, there's nothing not to love about Gary Ridge. <laughs> and I even love the way he spells his name, G-A-R-R-Y. Don't right. forget that extra R. Yes, his philosophy in business and life is really tribal, that we're all part of a tribe. And tribes are important because in a tribe, we defend each other. Mm. We look out for each other. We cheer for each other. And that sense of belonging is so important. As you well know, a lot of the traditional conventions are breaking down. Fewer people are going to church, which was a huge community. Fewer people belong to social clubs and so on. Uh, fewer people are connecting through family relationships because we move away. You know, it used to be that people lived within 30 miles of everybody that they ever knew. And now we're so much of a global society. I mean, my kids grew, grew up 3,000 miles away from their grandparents. Mm. So those familial connections and religious connections and social connections are quickly breaking down. The one that's always present is work. We go to work. And Gary's done an incredible job of creating this tribal culture where this is a safe place. You belong here. You're welcome here. We're grateful for what you do. And that sense of thank you for being who you are, doing what you do, accomplishing what you do every day makes us all better, has created a phenomenal culture at WD-40 with incredible success that you just can't argue with. You went on mute there for yeah. a second. I use a chart sometimes. I went on mute because I was typing something a moment to look up what year was it that Robert Putnam wrote the book Bowling Alone? Oh, Okay. I know the title. I don't know the book. But it was about the social phenomenon you were just talking about, so much so that he called it bowling alone. The Even bowling leagues had fallen out of favor, and people were going to bowling alleys rather than part of a league. They're just there bowling alone. That was 20 years ago. My gosh. He noticed this phenomenon and wrote the book. It was year 2000 that the book Bowling Alone was written. What I was about to say about Gary Ridge, I use a chart sometimes that shows what Gallup shows us about engagement and disengagement. And then way up here on the outlier is this company, WD-40, that for, <laughs> what, 15, 20 plus years has had 93 plus percent engagement scores. And they don't do what they do to raise the engagement score. They do what they do because they believe it's the way you lead. And as a result, they are such an outlier in yes. employee engagement. But it's not their hack. Well, how can we get more out of our people? It's no, we love our people and look what happens. Right. Give us a high score in engagement, we'll give you a gift certificate. <laughs> you know that the bribery uh, way to high scores. Gary lives a mantra that my father taught me when I was young. And he'd say, you know, Chess, just do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. Mm. And good things will happen. Yeah. Oh, don't we wish every CEO led by that mantra? Well, here's the thing. <laughs> yes, I agree with you. Let me say that first and foremost. <laughs> Secondly, I think there's a perception that most CEOs don't. And that may very well be true. The thing that I question about that is 90% of our news feed is negative. Right. That's what sells. And yet, 
there are Gary Ridges out there. That's right. There are Alan Mullally's out there. There's Hubert Jolie that are out there. You know, Rob Nail, who was the president of the Singularity University, they're out there. They, they create phenomenal cultures. We just don't hear about them. If you hadn't mentioned, I guarantee you most of your listeners, unless they'd heard Gary interviewed on your show before, had no idea that WD-40 was this phenomenal, juggernaut, incredible culture company. I mean, they think got the blue and yellow can in my garage, you know, somewhere. I remember that part. <laughs> and yet there are so many good people out there. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, Gary and I met each other through the Marshall Goldsmith 100 Coaches Pay It Forward group. And the way we got to really be friends is we both presented to the group on the same day about culture. And we looked at each other and said, we're two children from a different mother. I mean, we're brothers from a different mother. And that's where our relationship developed. Well, there's a whole cadre. Yeah. Of, they call it the MG100. I think it's almost 200 people now that are out there trying to make the world a better place. So there are good people everywhere. And we need to be grateful for them. Yes. And we need to find them. Because the other quote that you put in your notes before our podcast is that gratitude attracts gratitude. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it absolutely does. You live a life of gratitude. I guarantee you, grateful people will come into your life. Positive people will come into your life. And isn't that the greatest blessing of all? Oh, isn't it? Absolutely. So, okay, being here at this point in the podcast, let me say this. Moshe Engelberg, thank you for being the conduit. Now, I'd heard of Chester before, but Moshe and I have become friends as a result of him being a guest on the podcast. And the first day that Moshe and I met, just getting acquainted, he walked away saying, Kevin, I'm introducing you to Chester. And I said, and I'm introducing you to three people, right? And we did that. And so, yes, gratitude begets gratitude. And that's attracts gratitude. And it was wonderful people that allow us to meet. And then the ripple just goes and goes, the waves and ripples of this. Now, I got to ask this, Chester. I want to back up what you've written. I'm trying to think. I think you told me, depending on how you count, uh, and you can <laughs> count. I know that. But you've written 11 or 12 books, and you can explain why there's. Yeah, this is number 12. We're going to go with 12. You okay. know, it worked for Jesus. It'll work for us, right? So it's really interesting. We did publish one book twice. That's right. Yeah, The Carrot Principle, we published, and then we republished it with international data. And you know about books, if you change at least 30% of the book, which we did, it actually classifies, you get a new number and a new book. And we were delighted that both books, it was kind of like, you know how The Godfather won the movie of the year, and then The Godfather 2 won movie of the year. It's the only time it's ever happened. Carrot Principle was a New York Times bestseller, and then the Carrot Principle version 2 was also a New York Times bestseller. And so we count that as two books. Thanks for asking. Okay, so 12 books. Yeah. Why this book now? In the series, what was it that led to this? Well, an excellent question. We wrote The Carrot Principle back in 2007 to rave reviews. And it was very much about recognition in the workplace and great data, great results, great best practices, a little transactional. It was about the event. It was about the thing that you received and so on. And then we took a deep dive into culture and teamwork. And it just seemed particularly at this time where the negativity just seems to overwhelm us in moments. 90% of your newsfeed is negative. Online bullying has been rampant. You talk about bullying in schools. Mm. Uh, we often read about 
kids being mocked and bullied to the point sometimes of not just depression, even suicide. And the political discourse, no matter where you are on the spectrum, it's vicious, it's mean. And family relations are, are just seem to be at an all-time low. We said, you know what? It's time to get back to civil. It's time to get back to those best practices that we know are truthful and will ever be. And that is, is that gratitude does attract gratitude. That when you are kind, when you're engaging, when people's voices are heard, when their work matters, when they matter, when their voice is heard and is meaningful, all kinds of good things happen. Mm. And we've got the data to prove that you can create a great team, you can create a great culture, a great organization, like WD-40, like American Express. It doesn't have to be a smaller company. It can be a big company. And not only that, you talked about the ripples and the waves. My favorite data point of all time, and probably one of the big reasons we wrote the book, is when you are happy and engaged and motivated at work, you are 150% more likely to be happy and engaged and motivated in your personal life. Oh, I love that stat. And so our mission is the more great workplaces we can create, that ripple effect into your families, into your communities, good begets good, gratitude begets gratitude. We don't leave our best selves at work. We take our best selves home and vice versa. We take our best selves from home to work and everything gets better. And it just seemed to us at this point in time that this message was needed more than ever. And I want to echo a couple of things there. One, at this point in time, we felt this message was needed more than ever. That was before we knew there was a global pandemic. Yes. It takes you about a year to write a book, yeah. as you know. And this one came together pretty quickly. We got it done in about eight months because we wanted to publish it in March because it was Employee Appreciation Month. Mm. And mm. our publisher always publishes on a Tuesday. So we picked March 3rd. And we thought, hey, let's come up with a name for the launch. Let's call it Super Tuesday. <laughs> and you know what, Kevin, it really caught on. A lot of people were talking about Super Tuesday on March 3rd. And then we said, we'll get a little ahead of the political curve. We know there'll be primaries and whatnot. And then the pandemic hit. And to your point, we bought all these great spaces at the airports for business people to buy our books. And you buy the book, we had a little sign said, this book will knock your socks off. And we'd give them a pair of socks that had smiley faces on it. <laughs> well, I got news for you. We're going to have a lot of pairs of socks left over because there just aren't a lot of people at airports these days. And you talk about timing. And yet, with all of that, I think the message still is incredibly valid and incredibly valuable hmm. for us to step back at these times that are just so uncertain and we step up for our family, for our friends, for our parishioners, for our coaches, our teachers, our neighbors, and say, you know what? This too shall pass. We will get through this. That's right. This is a season. Yes. It will pass. Yes. Thank you for sharing that, reminding us of that, Chester. Hey, I want to ask, I remember the cartoons of the kick the cat phenomenon, right? <laughs> Which was that the worker comes home. So maybe it's Fred Flintstone, I don't know, but has had a bad day at work. So he didn't kick the cat, he kicked the dinosaur. Right. But the boss has just piled on you, piled on you, piled on you. You go home and you had to have a place to vent. So we're familiar with that phenomenon. I just love the stat. That's going to become my favorite stat, right? That people are not only 150% happier at work, it follows them home or wherever they go afterwards. So these waves and ripples are waves and ripples of 
love, caring, positivity in the community and at home. All of this. Beautiful. Yeah, it is. It is. And it doesn't take a genius to connect those dots, right? Like we spend so much time at work as the night follows day, as Shakespeare would say, right? If you're miserable at work, your odds of being miserable at home are sky high, you yeah. know? And if you're happy and engaged and motivated at work and you come home, you're going to be the same. That's why I love the last part of our book. We call it The Baker's Dozen. And when we talked to Harper Business, we said, look, we really like this part of the book where best practices at home. Because what was really encouraging, Kevin, was that these leaders that we interviewed, whether they were Fortune 50 companies like American Express or, or nonprofits, Rising Star in India, these leaders all took that best practice home. Mm. And so we had 13 wonderful best practices. And, and one of my favorites is Dave Kirpin, our, our buddy in New York. He's got a media marketing company called Likeable. And he says, at home, we would try to have dinner together as often as we could. And yet the conversation was never engaging. Our kids, I would say, how was school? Fine. What did you do? Nothing. (laughs) And we've all had that conversation with our kids. So he said, we wanted to change the dynamic. And he has three questions. And this is a great tool for your listener. First question to his kids is, what was the best part of your day? Tell me about the best part of your day. And secondly, who are you grateful for that's not at the table? And thirdly, who are you grateful for at the table who hasn't been thanked yet? Mm. So everybody has that moment of being honored and being, being shown some gratitude. They're thankful for people outside of their family. It gives their parents a little insight. And then what was the best part of your day? He said it changed the conversation and the spirit at dinner tremendously. He said, at first they were kind of resistant. He says, I knew we'd gotten them when they would bring a friend to dinner. And I could hear him say, now you got to answer three questions. Okay, so be ready. <laughs> Have good answers. <laughs> Isn't that just a delightful way to engage your family? Oh, it is. It is. We don't do all three of those, but when usually on Monday nights, we have dinner with our son, Josh, his wife, Danielle, and our granddaughter, Emma. And that's usually a topic. What was the best part of your day? And she's four, you know, and it's just a beautiful thing to hear that. And then she starts asking everybody else, hey, Papa, what was the best part of your day? And Chester, that's one of my favorite questions to hear, right? From a four-year-old. Hey, Papa, what was the best part of your day? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just from the mouths of babes, right? Yeah. yeah. The other one that I love that we put in, and again, having no idea that it would be so relevant for the times we're in now, is help your children embrace hard times. Mm. As we would interview leaders and ask about their careers, they'd always go to the hard times. And mm. I'd say, why? Say, well, that's where I grew. Mm. That's when I was tested. And, you know, I think it's important for us to teach our kids, particularly now that they can do hard things. Mm. We're going to go through hard times, and that's okay. It's not a punishment. It's a time to learn and to grow. And what better way to learn and grow than to surround yourself with good people that can help you through those hard times? Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Um, (laughs) Hey, you said something else, and I want to pull this in because this really is important now. Gratitude is an infinite resource. I love that you picked that out because... Could you ever possibly run out of things you're grateful for? Hmm. I don't think you can, you know, because every day you're grateful for more things. Right. And is there ever a time when you're going to run out of ways to express your gratitude? No. You know, we have a fun exercise that we do in, in our workshops and our conferences. You know, we'll say, just a show of hands, how many of you think you can express too much gratitude in the workplace? Just raise your hand. And how many think you can never get enough? 
And then I always joke, how many of you don't vote? Because the majority of people are like, I don't know. And then I pull somebody up on the stage, you know, ask, who's madly in love and happily married? And bring them up on the stage and say, how often do you say, I love you to your spouse or your partner? I say, oh, multiple times a day. Say, really? A couple thousand times a year? Is, oh, easy. Now I say, well, you know, that's too much. You should just have an annual banquet. <laughs> That'll do it. <laughs> And I personally say, well, that's ridiculous. And yet in the workplace, we go, well, we have a year-end banquet. I mean, it's 364 days of living hell, but that one night, man, with the open bar, that's gratitude, you know? And we make the analogy and say, look, I love you in your personal life is thank you in the workplace. Mm. And just like you can't hear I love you too much, and you can't, you can't hear thank you too much. Do it right. Mean it. I was going to say, you can hear it. Yeah in an insincere way, and that may get old fast, but a sincere thank you never gets old. Exactly. We say, look, if you're going to write down one thing, write this down. General praise has no impact. You know, I love the managers who go, hey, great job, great job, great job. You know, little finger guns or you're the best, you're the best, you're the best. You know, That has no impact. And we know that with our kids too, right? We know that the more specific we get, Boy, Lucas, I love that painting. Tell me about why you use so much red and blue and green. Or I love the way you read that story. What was your favorite part of the story? Instead of saying, kid, you read good, go to bed. <laughs> so the specificity becomes really meaningful. And we talk about that in our book too. Is know your players, know your people. What works for one person is not going to work for the other. I love to tell the story about a buddy of mine who was in Detroit. And always wanted to work in New York. So he gets the interview and they fly him to New York. And he interviews and he gets the job. And they tell him he's got the job. He flies back to tell his wife. And the very next day, a big box shows up at the door from his new manager to celebrate being part of the team. And it's this big bottle of champagne. You think, how cool is that? Except the guy was in AA. Hmm. And so the gesture was nice. The execution was flawed. Mm. So know what motivates your people. Sometimes it's time off to spend with their families. Sometimes it's an opportunity to go to a conference or work on a new project. Those little things make a big difference, which is why I say the little things are the big things. Yeah. Don't minimize little things. We remember the little things, the kind little note, the kind word, that moment where your boss came over and said, how are you doing? How can I help? Okay, now I'm so glad you said this because this triggers a section of the book that I love. Not only should gratitude be appropriate to the person, it should also be appropriate to the accomplishment. Yes. You want to talk about scaling gratitude? Because you had some fun stories in there. <laughs> yeah, and they're a legion. There's many that didn't make it into the book. Tom does something spectacular and we pull him up in front of the group and we say, hey, we talk about this phenomenal new product that you've been able to sell to all our clients. And to celebrate that, here's a $50 gift card to your favorite restaurant. Go, oh, that's really great. And, and then, you know, Susan has been on time every day this week. She gets a $50 gift card. And, you know what, Frank, I've got an extra $50 gift card. Go ahead. treat your. I mean, all of a sudden, the amazing accomplishment was just put at the level of we had some leftover gift cards, thought we'd just Deal them out like cards at a blackjack table in Vegas. So yes, make sure it's commensurate with. There are times when verbal praise is more than appropriate. Mm. There are times when the accomplishment is just, I mean, it's Mount Rushmore stuff. And when it comes to that, yes, you've got to make a bigger deal out of that because there's good work and there's incredible work. 
And there is a difference in our tone, in our celebration, and our takeaways. I know it makes sense, and yet it's amazing to me how we get it wrong in the workplace. Well, they gave me a bunch of these gift certificates, so I guess I better pass them out. (laughs) So what do you hope happens as more leaders really embrace, I'm going to say, the privilege of leading with gratitude? Well, I love that word privilege because I think it is a privilege to lead and it's a great responsibility to lead. What we're really hoping for in the book is a revolution. And I don't use the word lightly, a revolution of just goodness in the workplace. I love companies that have these mantras, do good. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's simple, right? And Gary Ridge, do the right thing. Just yeah. do the right thing. You don't need a big interpretation of what doing the right thing is. We know what the right thing is. Let's go do that. Do the right thing because it's the right thing to do, as my father would often say. I'm really hoping for a revolution where people see the people that work with and for them as important and as valued and treasured, and that they give them their moments to know that. Again, that no one is forgotten, that no one is left behind, that what you do is important. My father, the thing I loved about my dad, among many things, was the way he talked to parking attendants was the same way as he talked to captains in industry, you know. And he'd say, you know what, Chess, you'd be good to everybody. Everybody's having a tough day. And that is so true. If you treat people as if they've got something going on in their life, if you treat everybody that way, I guarantee you nine times out of 10, you're right. Today, it's 10 out of 10, Mm -hmm. right? And what does it cost you to smile? What does it cost you to be encouraging? I'll never forget, I was checking out of a hotel early morning, you know, it was one of those things, it was like a 6 a.m. flight, and I'm down at the checking out at 4.30 in the morning, and there's a guy that's got a man the desk. And he wasn't excited to see me, and I wasn't excited to be up at 4.30 in the morning. And yet he had this amazing cornrow hair, and you can't see me, I don't have much hair at all. So when I see amazing hair, I take notice. And he was giving me directions and where to go to get the Uber and so on. And they said, you know what, can I just say one more thing? And he went, sure, what? I said, man, you've got amazing hair. (laughs) You know what? He lit up. He goes, thanks so much, man. You don't have no idea how much trouble I went to get my hair looking like this. I said, well, you know what? It looks great. And if you ever decide to shave it off, here's my card. Please send it to me, you know? And it was just a moment of levity. And you know what? It made my morning better and it made his morning a lot better. And it took 15 seconds. Hmm. A revolution. That's what we're shooting for. Kevin, are you in? I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. So right before we hit record, you told me about a new project that you're doing. Talk about that, can you? Yes, and we just came up with it this morning. So this is more than timely. Literally, we got together at the Culture Works, which is our training company. We said, look, we got to do something to just cheer people up. We got to give them some hope and some optimism. So we're going to start a campaign called hashtag find your gratitude. And just find something you're grateful for every day and post it with the hashtag find your gratitude. I love it. Maybe it's a picture of first flowers that are coming up in your garden. Maybe it's the sunrise or the sunset. Last night, I posted one with our little group. This is before we had our hashtag. It's my grandson in the bathtub. You've got a grandson, and he said, that's just pure joy. (laughs) That's pure joy being in the bathtub. Find something today that you're grateful for. Put it up on, you know, whether it's Facebook or Instagram or LinkedIn, wherever you live. Just hashtag find your gratitude. Say, I found my gratitude today. Where'd you find yours? And I love 
the find part of that because it does set us on lookout for gratitude. In seasons like right now, it may be challenging for some of you listening, but Chester and I fully believe that if you make it your intention to find your gratitude, that you will find what, Chester? You'll find happiness. You really will. And that's the one thing on this planet we all have in common. Everybody just wants to be happy. Hmm. So why don't we be a catalyst for that happiness? Let's hmm. spread a little joy. Let's be kind. And let's lead with gratitude. Leading is a privilege. It really is. And it's a big responsibility. And those that lead with gratitude change people's lives. If you were to talk to Gary Ridge's tribe, if you were to talk to Ken Chenault's people that worked at American Express and Hubert Jolie at Best Buy and Becky Douglas at Rising Star, I guarantee you that having interacted with those leaders changed those people's lives. We were introduced by our mutual friend and, and Gary and I are in, in this MG100 group. And I will tell you, Marshall Goldsmith changed my life hmm. because of the way he just gives hmm. without hesitation, hmm. without compensation, without expectation. And you just want to be around people like that. So let's be that catalyst for good. Let's be that catalyst for gratitude. And I agree. If you're having a tough day, find your gratitude. It will cheer you up. I promise. And help somebody else find theirs. Encourage someone else to find their gratitude. And that's step two, right? And I think step one is important for you to find your gratitude because you can't give what you don't have. Right, right. And when you find your gratitude, it becomes a lot easier for you to give that gratitude to someone else. Oh, Chester, thank you so much. Is there anything else that's just either bubbling out of your heart or buzzing around in your head that you just feel like you got to say before we sign off today? Well, yes. Thank you for asking. It's never lost on me how grateful I am for my wife, Heidi. Mm. She's my North Star. She's mm. my touchstone. She's my rock. She's my spiritual giant. And I know that whenever things get really rough, I just need to hear her voice. Mm. And it calms my soul. And it's interesting to me, my father, who I quote often, as you can tell, would say, you know, Chess, you and I have something in common. We both married way above our stations. <laughs> my dad used to say three things to me every time my mother would walk in the room. And uh, he'd say, look at your mom. Isn't she beautiful? Isn't she talented? Aren't we lucky? Mm. Wow. <laughs> wow. And so I think the same thing every time my wife walks in the room. I never saw my parents fight, ever. Mm. They may have. I never saw it. Mm. And I am so grateful for my dad for that sterling example of how to love your wife and how to care for your family. And so what's bubbling out of my heart, particularly in these wacky times, is that I've got a partner and a friend and a spouse that just loves me unconditionally. And just the sound of her voice calms my soul. Wow, that's beautiful, Chester. Hey, so we've been talking about there is a book, Leading with Gratitude. <laughs> there is. Buy a copy. <laughs> Go to the airport and buy it. Yeah. <laughs> They've got lots. I'm telling you, you can get some socks too. Yeah. So where do people find your book? You can find it at uh, Books A Million. You know, they do a lot of stuff online and in their stores. You can find it on Amazon. You can find it at Barnes & Noble. We have an audio book. Adrian and I actually read our books. So you'll hear our voices again. 
Marshall Goldsmith graciously wrote the forward, and he actually agreed to read the forward, so you can hear from Marshall as well. We've got a wonderful training website called cultureworks.com. Lots of fun downloads there. And if you're interested in becoming a certified leading with gratitude trainer, we'd love to add you to our cadre and join the revolution. And then lastly, we've got some really fun free downloads in leadingwithgratitudebook.com. We've created some fun, engaging videos. You can download the forward. Lots of great advice and lots of great offers there. So lots of places to go. No excuses. And I always say this, Kevin, anybody can buy just one copy. Buy a couple. Makes a great gift for anniversaries, birthdays, bar mitzvahs, Easter, Christmas. (laughs) The list is endless. Buy a copy for yourself and buy one for a friend. All right. Thank you, Chester. And for people that want to have a follow-up with you or get connected with you, where do we point them? No, LinkedIn. I really live on LinkedIn. And uh, we've got lots of followers there. We post regularly every day with all kinds of fun videos and all kinds of stuff. Yes, please, uh, please follow us on LinkedIn. Reach out. I respond to everybody. I think it's just a great platform. I love LinkedIn because it's I love Facebook. I love it's a way to connect. I do think, though, on Facebook, sometimes we think if we don't post something just ridiculously happy, we're not playing the game when we all know that we've got stuff going on. LinkedIn, for me, is a great teaching platform where you can go get information to learn how to be a better leader. And so that's right. I'd send people. All right. Thanks again, Chester. It's been a pleasure. You know what? It's been remarkable, Kevin. Thank you for the call. Thank you for our mutual friends, for Moshe and making the introduction. And I'm grateful for our time together. Thank you. Hey, and it's Kevin back with something new. I want to invite you to stay to the end because after the original conversation, Chester and I come back with a special invitation that we want to extend to you. Well, hey, Chester, welcome back to the Higher Purpose Podcast. I got to tell you, this is the fastest any guest has ever returned to the podcast. You're back in the same episode. (laughs) And I'm delighted to be back in the same episode. You know, we talk about things being really fluid and you got to go with the flow. You got to be agile. You got to be quick. And that's what we are today. That's what we are today. And like you listening, we're also navigating new waters. So after we concluded our conversation on Monday, Chester and I've shared a few more conversations. We put our hearts and heads together to do some heart storming and brainstorming. And we've come up with something we want to do together that's our gift to you and the world to help us all get through this and come out better together. So when I heard Chester mention this hashtag, find your gratitude, I started thinking of the gratitude challenges we've been hosting over the last seven, eight months. And I thought, what if we did something together? Absolutely. We're always better together. That's why I love the website, findyourgratitude.community. And you and I were joking, you know, that why community? Because it's always better when you're together. And the fact that findyourgratitude.com was already gone. (laughs) That's the real reason, folks. But no, community, because it is better together. So we are still putting the finishing touches on what's going to happen. But we're going to have something launched later the week of the release of this podcast. We wanted to add this to this podcast so you can join us. So go to findyourgratitude.community and you'll see the latest, greatest information and you'll find out how to join us. It's really going to be a great project. I'm excited about this because so much of what you get 
through your phone and through your devices is so negative. I mean, if you want to cheer yourself up, do not turn on the news. Right? There's not a lot of good news out there. So we want to be the good news, folks. And we talked about when should we launch this? We thought, you know what? Sunday night. Let's kick it off Sunday night. Give people some good spirit. Give them some good positive energy going into the week and then through the week. And we'll have all kinds of fun gratitude challenges, you know, and we want your feedback on that. What are you doing that works to keep your spirits up, to keep your community strong, to find your gratitude that buoys you up in tough times? I love the format. I love that we had time to chat about it. And who better to do it with than you, right? (laughs) Well, thank you, Chester. And I feel the same way. Who better to do this than you? Leading with gratitude. That's what this is about, is helping us all lead through this season of uncertainty with gratitude. So we're starting Sunday, March 29th. You can go to findyourgratitude.community to get more details. And we're looking forward to seeing you inside this. Yeah, this community. There we go. We're stepping on each other already. I really do love this concept. I love building communities. You know, a friend of mine said, look, we may keep our social distance, but we want to be emotionally together. That's right. This will give us a platform to be emotionally together, to bring people together, bring your ideas, bring what you're grateful for, help other people express that gratitude. A friend of mine related to me, as we wrote our book, Leading with Gratitude, she said, gratitude heals the soul. Yeah. And I love that she said that. And she used a very emotional story. And whether we use this or not is going to be up to you. And she was talking about her granddaughter that had gotten cancer. And the family was praying and praying and praying. And, and of course, praying for a cure, praying, praying this young granddaughter would be spared. And she said, you know what? It got to the point where as we gathered to have our family prayers, my son, who led the prayer, said, you know what, Heavenly Father, we would love for our daughter to be healed. If not, if it be thy will that you take her home, let us be grateful for the time that we have had with her. And she said, when he uttered those words in that prayer, the room was healed. Mm. And in fact, her granddaughter did not survive. Mm. And yet the spirit in the room and that gratitude that they had for the short time they had with that little girl became so much more meaningful. So there's the dramatic story to make the point. I do think there are a lot of souls out there and there are a lot of emotions, a lot of hearts out there that need the healing touch of gratitude. And that's what I'm hoping we can bring. And so please join us. It'll be Sunday night. Find your gratitude.community. We're always better together. Bring your ideas, bring your hearts, bring your minds. It's going to be wonderful. And Kevin, thank you so much for being the catalyst to this. I am uh, Robin to your Batman. And- <laughs> We'll make it happen. (laughs) Thanks, Chester. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. I know I certainly did. And due to Chester joining me for this extended bonus session, I'll spare you my usual recap and just close with a couple of brief comments. Please, please, please go to findyourgratitude.community and join Chester and me and a global community of like-hearted people of purpose and positivity joining together to find gratitude and get through this and come out on the other side better, stronger, together. And as always, I want to extend to you the invitation that's an open door. You can reach out to me. Email me, kevin at higherpurposepodcast.com or call or text at 678-744-5111. Until we connect again, I hope it's sooner than later. Keep shining your light. 
and loving others. So we help illuminate the path forward on this road less traveled in business, leadership, and life. Thanks for being a difference maker. What could 10 days of gratitude do for you? Find out what hundreds of people have experienced and make a change that can last a lifetime at thegratitudechallenge.community because it's better when we do things together.